Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. I once heard a story of a particularly contentious local election. A mayor was running for re-election, and in a very daring move, he sent the town constable to pick up his opponent's dog. He was apparently out roaming about, scaring several children, and generally being a nuisance. The dog, that is. (laughs) After his dog's capture, the other mayoral candidate marched down to the city council chamber and railed against what he perceived to be the current mayor's abuse of power. The mayor felt, while this was awkward, that his decision was entirely justified. Unfortunately for the mayor, everyone on the council didn't agree with him, and he was horrified when several city council members made remarks sympathetic to his opponent and the infamous dog in question. Filled with righteous anger, the mayor dramatically stood up and proclaimed, I can't take the ridiculousness of you people anymore. And he marched out, of, marched out of his chair, out of the room, and out the door. There was only one problem. The door he marched out of was the door to the janitor's closet. <laughs> Not the grand exit he was hoping for. But there he stood, marinating in the smell of mildewing mops, preparing to emerge from the closet and confront the inevitable smirks of his colleagues. I remembered that story this week as I considered today's gospel, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector is a juxtaposition of two very different individuals and much more importantly, two very different approaches to God. Jesus says... Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. The tax collector, on the other hand, stands far off, not even able to look up to heaven, but instead beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. If we are honest, all of us can be like both of these people, and all of us have very similar thoughts. 
The Pharisee could not be more of a horse's backside. Thank God I am not like those people. You know, those people. All of us, myself certainly included, have those people. People with which we disagree. People who annoy and baffle us. People we turn off when they appear on the television. People who tempt us to partake of that most most wretched of sins, contempt. They may be blue or red, baby boomer or millennial, town or country, you name it. They might even be Alabama fans. (laughs) But whoever they are, we all have them. And our arrogance prevents us from the pleasure of seeing the good in all of God's creatures. And through that, a greater communion with God. The Pharisee is quite a guy. And if I am honest, I can be a lot like him. In contrast, we encounter this tax collector. The tax collector is so separated from the community that he is physically separate, standing far off, according to the text. And his prayer is much less conversational than the Pharisee. His prayer is almost despairing, a classic lament, and he beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, this guy may have been a sinner. He may be a notorious sinner. Tax collectors were collaborators with the Roman Empire, and they were infamous for skimming off the top of their collections for their own benefit. If you took a poll of first century Palestinians, many would have rather spent an evening with the stuck-up Pharisee than this tax collector. But Jesus, in that annoying Jesus kind of way, lifts up those who society marginalizes for the starring role of his stories. The second man, while he probably made some very poor choices, is at least aware of them. And in this moment, he is sorry for them. And most importantly, he takes those choices, those sins, and he gives them to God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In a moment of virtuous humility, the tax collector acknowledges his own emptiness, his own brokenness, and his basic need for God and for God's help. For the Pharisee's ultimate sin is not his obnoxious attitude towards others, although he is very obnoxious. But it is his lack of humility and his inability to acknowledge his own dependence on God. Thank God I am not like those people. I do this and I do that, so I am so great. Not very humble at all. Humility is a goal we can all aspire to. And real humility is not self-deprecating or insecure. All of us have been given gifts that we should be proud of and confident in our achievements with those gifts. But the humble balance that confidence with a self-awareness that those gifts are gifts from God, and that those gifts are coupled with areas of our life where we could stand to improve 
and we are we should definitely ask for help. In the end, the humble realize that we are really very flawed. And in order to truly succeed in this life, in order to succeed in the totality of life, we need each other and we need God. And one sign of humility, and please forgive the awkward segue, but one sign of our humility is how we give. When we are mindful of what we have, when we are grateful for all that we have been given, and when we are humble enough to admit what is God and what is ours, and spoiler alert, it's all God's, we give. When you make someone a meal, when you build something out of your own hands, when you sit with someone when no one else will sit with them, you don't do so because your supper is so special or because your creation is so beautiful or your company is so wonderful. But we give because we are all in this together. We give because we are a community of faith. And because behind every true gift is the profound statement that we don't say nearly often enough, I love you. Real love takes humility. And we are made and we are called to love. And when we love, we give. This week, Take stock of where and when you could be humble. Pray about where we are called to love and how we are called to give. Give thanks for what we have accomplished and where we are strong. And give to God the places where we stumble. Acknowledge that we can't do everything. But we can huddle together. We can be resources for each other, and love each other with generosity. And when we love in such a way, we love as God loves for who we truly are. Amen.